Welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of the co-hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I am here with Pastor Will Harley, and we are welcoming back uh, Mr. Jonathan Rudat, my brother, who is a website designer, used bookstore entrepreneur, podcast producer, and one of his many hats is the part-time employee of 922 Church as their 922 Church online integrator. Welcome, John. Thank you. I think you forgot all-time swell guy. All-time swell guy, right? You just wanted me to say that in front of my brother, <laughs> which he is an all-time swell guy. He is he is me, but better. Um, and uh, so, anyway, our topic today is the digitized church. We are continuing our conversation from last time, and so uh, as we are doing so, this is just a conversation between three individuals. We are just letting you in on our conversation as we talk about a topic uh, and so our the views that we say are our opinions, and uh, sometimes we will speak for our churches and our church body, other times we won't. So please use some discretion uh, that you're letting us in on a conversation. We're not uh, necessarily writing things down like the small code articles and preparing everything. We're just talking off the top of our heads. We're having a conversation. We are also um, open to learning th- from each other. That's why we're doing this podcast anyway. So the views that we have at the beginning of the show might not be the views that we have at the end of the show. Most often aren't. So, so use that. And if you have some something that we say that uh, 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 bothers you, please contact us. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can contact us on Facebook as well. And you can talk to us face-to-face because we are big boys and we can take it and uh, have, have a conversation with us. You are also welcome to skip to the next podcast that we have and listen to something else. Live free. Uh, your life is found in Christ. So last time we talked about what made a digitized church different than a church that dreams online. We talked about uh, a little bit about the ins and outs of what a digitized church looks like at 922 Church. Uh, we talked about some of the issues that we were, uh, what you have to deal with as a digitized church. There's some things that a digitized church can't do, such as offer the sacraments. And so it's always something where a digitized church works in uh, correlation with a physical church. You can't just have a digitized church all by itself. Uh, today, we are looking at the nitty-gritty of what makes the digitized church work. Uh, John, could you explain the people that make the online church work? How many people are needed to make this work? One. <laughs> <laughs> like, like... One is needed. One is need. So one person to do all... Could, you could do it. No, that's not what we do. We try to get as many as we can. Um, so we have, I'm like, I'm, I'm the term they call this, I'm the integrator. So I'm integrating the project in, into the ministry as a whole. Um, but we do have, um, four volunteers that create most of the content. And then we have the pastor who chimes in, does a lot. And we, because we're a, a large church with multiple pastors, they each take turns, um, doing the live sessions um but really you only need one but that one person would need to be you know committed to it and intentional intentional with it and then you develop it and you make it what you can do what you know we have the ability with four volunteers to make a bunch of posts every week if you don't have that many volunteers then you just make as many posts as you can Mm -hmm. you know and with that's realistic that can be sustained because the whatever you do the people will be expecting that so so i guess i guess maybe just backtrack a little bit not because um i want to come back to the, the volunteers and how many people does it really take to do this but you're mentioning posts so maybe walk us through and, and i'm kind of interested what 
what is in a typical post? Because I, I think maybe that word can become very daunting to a person who might want to volunteer to do something like that for their church, even if it's on the, the church's Facebook page. You know, what what goes into saying, okay, a post that makes it a post? So you have to decide what kind of content you are publishing for. So we have different types of content, and so we have different volunteers that focus on those different types. So it, our what we have as a plan for our typical weekly publishing schedule is not what everybody has to do. You can do whatever you want to do, whatever. Our goal, and I think every church ministry that uses social media should have the goal of engaging people and directing them to Christ. And so how you do that is is whatever you think is best for your audience and your abilities and your skill set and your volunteers. What we do is we have posts every day, one post a day that is a Bible passage from Sunday. So we, and we try to, but one of our goals is to take all the work that goes into Sunday, the worship service, the sermon, the planning of the passages, um, to be used throughout their week to remind people of what happened on Sunday or if they missed it. Uh, so then every day is one passage from Sunday. And then toward the end of the week, the passages switch to focusing on what's coming up on Sunday. So either way, the Bible passage is always focused on a Sunday, either the Sunday that happened or the Sunday that's coming up. Uh, sometimes, you know, your your sermon can be based on a huge chunk, so you have lots of passages to divvy up during the week. Sometimes it's a small amount, so then you bring in the passages for the next sermon or whatever, however you want to do it. Then we have posts to encourage um, the people in the community to, online community, to pray for one another. Um, and that's, we usually have that once a week. We have posts to in, remind people of the rules of the group, and that's once a week. And we have four different rules, and so we rotate. Um, Which we talked about in the last podcast, I remember. So if you yep. are wondering what those rules are, listen to the previous podcast. Digitized Church, part one. Part one. <laughs> then we also have a post that just is just to get to know you type of a post. So it's not necessarily spiritual at all, but what we're trying to do is build the relationships online so that when you get to a deeper spiritual topic, everybody can open up. Sure. Uh, what else do we have? That I think those are the main main, uh, main, main types of posts. Uh, well, the other type of post would be a live thing, a live event. So those are... The live events and the videos, pre-recorded videos, get the highest watch time, the highest engagement, the highest responses. And even though, like, when Pastor goes on Monday nights for a sermon Q&A, so we're, we're trying to focus on, at first, <laughs> we learned something. At first, we had just, a like, a Pastor Q&A. And then the Pastor's like, well, we're getting questions from all over the place on all on different topics, which is okay, our goal was to maximize Sunday. So then we started promoting it as a sermon Q&A. So starting to just to focus on questions from the sermon. Um, now, is that questions from or questions pertaining to? So like, so right. like does, you, does the, does the, the past, does whichever pastor is preaching preload the sermon with questions that then he talks about later on? Or are, is this people's reaction to like, you know what? I, I often struggled with, this point of, of of the text or this point of what was read and then what you said still I, I didn't get the clarification exactly right yeah so it's the we're soliciting questions from the audience what they want to learn more about mm -hmm. um, and we don't get a lot of those at a time and we try to want we I mean pastor wants a little lead time to think through some responses so one of my jobs is to listen to the sermon and write up questions. And these are questions that just come to me as I'm listening um, where you could go deeper, but for time, you know, the sermon, you, you can't. 
or questions that um, dig into the pastor himself, who he is. So this last Sunday, uh, Pastor Tim started off with a story of uh, back in the 85 when Coke did the new Coke thing. Okay, so then one of my questions to him was Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> so just, just, just to help, help the people connect with their pastor and, and see kind of a fun side of him. So there's those kinds of questions in there. That I and and the pat so then basically um by I try to do it by Monday morning because the sermon Q and A session is Monday night. By Monday morning, I try to email Pastor. Here's a list of my questions. Now he gets to pick. He doesn't have to do all those questions. He just picks from my list of what he wants, and he's also listening to the audience and the people in the chat and reading those. So he's picking and choosing what he wants to respond to. So so. He this is something that he sets up his own recording for this, sits there and and reads them off of a screen live type of deal. Yeah, it's well, we do it live, but you could do it recorded. Well, right, but I mean, he's reading them off of a screen, or you're not reading them to him like nope. this question came in or whatever. Right. We did that in the beginning when we were just getting to figure out the technology, whereas I was monitoring the chat and then I would text him. And so he would just focus on the on his phone for the, so you could do that, you know, if the, but then after a while we figured out how to use the Facebook chat and then he just did it from there. But we have to realize that Facebook isn't perfect. The technology isn't perfect. Um, and there's a delay between when somebody types in a chat and when he sees it. How many, so how long of a delay is it? Like? It's like a three second. Okay. It could be longer so that. You know, he may be talking and somebody makes a comment about that topic and he may already have moved on, um, but just so he re- realizes that and they get it. And that audi- and then the audience is pretty forgiving too, you know. Uh, so when we talked about the people generating content, uh, so you have, you're talking about people putting up a Bible passage, so usually with pictures, right? You don't yep, just put right. the Bible passage. Right. Right. So, so the, the highest engaging posts... Our video. The second highest engaging is, is is a picture. Okay. And then the least engaging is just text. Sure. All and right. so we use we use Canva to make the images, and that has a free nonprofit license. And I would encourage all churches to get that because I mean all you have to do is apply and prove your five hundred three status, and you can get it, the pro version for free. And my volunteers love that once once it un- I mean you can use Canva normally for free, but it's limited. But when you unlock all the pro features, that's what we use. So yeah. that's a digital. It's like a source of images, or is that just uh, integrating images in the text? Both. So they have a huge library of images to pick from that you can use, and then you can put just so you put like when you're doing one about a Bible passage, you put a key part of the Bible passage on the picture, and that. And they make the picture relate to what the passage is saying. And then sometimes they put a link for the whole passage. Or um, what we have as we always have homework to get people ready for the next sermon. And it's published in the bulletin, which is usually a chapter or two to get people ready for the next sermon. Mm-hmm. And so then we just put a link because that's too big. Okay. So, so I guess my, my that leads to my other question here on the posts. So, when when you have somebody who is making a post for, let's say, a passage on Sunday, did they comment, like give a comment, or is it just the picture with a little blurb of the passage on it, and that's the post? Right, and then they usually try to have an engaging question. So, so there's so. no there's no commentary necessarily. There's just here's something I thought about. Here's a question related to this. You know, what is this passage? Um, what's significant about this passage to you? That's kind of a general kind of a question, but you can get real specific. Um, and there's a little bit, sometimes there's a little bit of commentary to help understand one of the, where right now the pastors are doing the revelation. revelation. And so they're doing the letters to the churches and they talked about this white stone. You're going to be given a white stone. What does that mean? So there's a little bit of commentary. The white stone was given to those who are declared innocent in the court of law. So then you just put that little bit in there and then the question, you know, something like, so how does it feel to be the one receiving the white stone? 
you know, or something like that. So it's so, a lot of subjective type questions, not right. objective. Like what is, is you know, what is this? How does this feel for you? Or it's meant to engage people, not necessarily just so that they would consume information. Right. Or would you, if you you're looking at the Bible passages, are those not really? They're meant to engage a little bit, but mostly they're just to give the Bible passage in front of people's faces to, to remind them of what we talked about on Sunday and to bring the truths from Sunday back again. Okay. I mean, you guys preach great sermons, but, you know, people forget them in 24 hours. <laughs> I forget them in 24 I, hours. I would actually say that they forget them far sooner than 24 hours. <laughs> so we want to bring back some of those memories. So, like, in your ideal digitized church world, how far in advance would you need to have your pastor's Bible passages for the week? We try to get them at least a week in advance. Um, which we need to do anyway because we have uh, we publish the pastor's outline ahead of time so that people can f- take notes during the service. So the secretaries need the time to be able to print and have that outline ready to go for the service. So usually by Thursday morning, the outline's done. So then um, while the secretaries are taking that to make the bulletin and printing, um, our content creators look at that and they grab the passages out of there because it, it, it reference. So they don't, sometimes they don't know how the pastor is going to take the direction of a passage. And so there is once in a while where they'll, they'll make a post because now they have the, all the passages from the sermon. So they can just crank out posts for the week. And then after they listen to the sermon, they're like, whoops, I'm going to go back and change one of my posts because he went a different direction, which is okay. But then that's only one or two posts that need to be tweaked, you know, and you've got the rest of the week done. So if you're if we're going back to one person doing that, which would probably be the pastor, you know, if we're thinking of a smaller church, well, okay. Bill and I are yeah. also serving a smaller church, so if one pastor doing the digitized ser- service, we can plan out when these posts will come. So if we have mm-hmm. ourselves a week ahead, maybe two weeks ahead, uh, and say, okay, these are the Bible passages I want to talk about, um, that would be, yep. that could be worked. Yep. Well, I, I, the only, I mean, I, I would definitely see that <clears throat> this also works with, uh, with a pastor who, and this is going to sound really bad, but a pastor who is well-planned in the sense of <clears throat> they sit down, they write, a, they write their outline, they write their, their sermon, and then their sermon is pretty much exactly what their outline or their, you know, that there's, there's very little change to that. Um, because you you know you're saying people have a follow along with an outline that they can fill in and 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 things like that. I just know my own preaching style. I'll sit down and I'll write a sermon, and maybe seventy five percent of it will be what I wrote, and twenty five percent of it probably won't on a good day, and on a, on a on a normal day it's probably fifty fifty. Um, you know, I interacted with people on that Sunday, and all of a sudden, oh, that changed everything, and I'm, you know, so. I, I guess it to me it it seems like that's more intentional where I'm you know the each of the pastors is following I created this outline whether I want to stick with this outline or not I'm going to because I have to to make this whole thing work. Um, All you'd have to do is stick to your passage. You could just have your main main your passage. You don't have to have. I mean, the outline is very broad. I mean, the outline that we get is like four points or three points. Oh, so it's not like a, a specific outline. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that makes it easier. Yeah. So all we focus uh, for the digital church, all we're focusing on is what are the passages. Grab the passages, and so how you know you expand upon those can vary. Sure. Now, um, I guess here's the other question that I have. Then, so for your readings and things, do they not use the lectionary, where you could look ahead and say, here are the lectionary readings for the Sunday. And and you know where it's going, or is everything a series? We have, our church is only series. The pastors make up the series ahead of time, and they figure that out. So we, I don't know if they follow the lectionary or not. They might, but all we're focused on what what passages do they use during the sermon? There are other passages that are used in the service to supplement the sermon, but we don't focus usually on those. Okay. Okay. So the passages from Sunday are never passages from the other readings. They're just the passages from the sermon. Typically, yeah. yes. Yeah. But now this is only one, this is one piece of what we do. And it, it's not the piece that gets the most engagement. 
explain that. Uh, well, engagement is how many people commented or liked or shared something. What gets the most engagement are the videos and the live sessions with Pastor. So the sermon, Q&A, the prayer, Pastor leads prayer live. So people submit prayer requests in the chat, um, and then he, he prays for the congregation or for the individuals. So um, those, you- those are high. Um, Any time the the pastor or our volunteers, we would we had it where the we would pre-record ourselves introducing who we are, what we do in, as far as the online church, what our role is, and why we like doing it. Sure. Uh, the question I had was on the uh, pastor Q and A uh, prayer. So, what's the format of that? Does he like talk to the to everybody for five ten minutes? How hey what's going on and then taking the prayer request or is it just how does that work it's different every time different every time okay. yeah it depends on i mean we have different pastors doing it so their different personalities come through and that's really what the people want to see they want to get to know that we, our congregation is big and they want to get to know their pastor but even in a small congregation i would still think people want us to get to know the pastor so yeah the first couple of five minutes you know are kind of you gotta wait for those who want to attend to get on. Mm-hmm. Now, usually it's a small group of people. And so you're not going to have a lot of live chat prayer requests. Um, but you get prayer requests. Like we post in the morning, hey, I'm going to be on tonight for live prayer. And so they have all day to add prayer requests to that post. Or they can email pastor, they can call them, or the pastor knows what's going on and can pray for things that are happening in the community, things that are happening in the world, can bring all that in live, doesn't have to have a prayer request come in for that. And then sometimes they like talk about prayer first, explain what it is and the meaning or go through the Lord's prayer piece by piece. Um, or you could, you know, spread it out over a month, you know, and say, you know, I want to talk. So there's a little bit maybe of instruction about prayer, passages about prayer, and then, having time to pray the ba- the main thing with the live things is to th- realize that most of your viewers will watch it after it's over on their own time so you theoretically you could have someone asking for a prayer earlier in the day not able to attend the chat and then see a pastor prays for them or could be yep and vice versa watches the live prayer time and then adds prayer requests even though it's over oh okay and are those added to the next prayer time, or are they just, just kind of um, it, trusting that the pastor is going to talk about it? Usually the pastors are pretty good at responding. Or they'll chat and say, okay, yeah. I, I saw this post that happened after the the prayer request. I prayed for you. Yeah. yeah. And then also members praying for one another. You you start to see that happening. Which is that the is, intent. That's really that? cool. Right. That's really cool, where people start to open up and share. Um, we just recently had a post about... Um, What's your biggest parenting struggle? Oh, my goodness. You get lots of comments, and then all of a sudden you got people praying for one another um, because of their struggles. And also then, also, I, de- I got the same issue, too. You know, so there's that bonding and building and praying going on. What do you, when uh, you, when you are going to set up a digitized church, what do you feel is the greatest challenge in setting it up? Um, defining it in the beginning. All the work you got to do in the beginning. What is your purpose? What what's your scope? Because the <laughs> scope creep can happen so much that oh, I could do this, and then we could do this, and then we could do this, <laughs> and then yeah, okay, those are all cool things. But let's stick with what we want to do well first. Do that for a month and see how it goes, and then expand it. Either add something new or drop that and, and replace it with something different. But yeah, you want to. Focus what you're, like our intent was to maximize Sunday. So that's what our focus is on for our group. Now remember, this is, and we're, as far as digitized church, we're just looking at a private Facebook group to expand Sunday, to deepen people's face and build community. There's a whole nother realm of using social media to broadcast the gospel and to bring people in. And so there's that, you know, if, if that's your strategy, then you don't have to have a private Facebook group. 
But then that means the way you make your post is going to be different because you're introducing people to Christ rather than building people who are already Now, are you, are you doing both, right? We're or? trying to do both. Now, my role is just the private Facebook group, and we have other people focused on the public pages and the public broadcasting of content. We're working now to uh, make this all more intentional and more integrated between all, plat all every online platform we have. But we're just in the beginning stages of that. I guess another thing is once you have an idea and a scope, go for it. Don't wait for it to be perfectly planned out or figured out. Like we don't have this figured out all the way. And we're just like we're realizing right now three months into it that, you know, it'd be a pretty good idea if we coordinated what we do public on the public Facebook page as to what we do in the private group. And now we're we're working together. Seems to me that that's, um, I mean, you said one person can do this, but just from talking and, and seeing that, I don't know if that's necessarily a, a truism. Um, if you narrow your focus, you could. Right. You I can't mean, do everything. Like mm -hmm. what I'm describing, you couldn't do it all. No. But if you do just a small piece of it, if you just want to start with just pastor sermon Q&A, no. Or if you want to do just pastor live prayer time. And see, I could definitely see a pastor Q&A because that's something you could set up and say, hey, we're going to have a Q&A tomorrow live. Send in your questions, whatever else. Join us, blah, blah, blah. I could see us handling, I could see one pastor handling that. Um, I could see, a, I could even see a pastor handling a prayer online and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to sort of expand this out. We're going to do a general uh, a prayer for, for people. Uh, please send in your prayer requests. We'll, we'll post it out there. Um, but some of the, you know, doing a post every single day, and getting some of that pre-thought out and, and things, that would yep. become very overwhelming very, very quickly. <clears throat> then it becomes a task instead of a joy. <laughs> but I think if you can equip volunteers, that's one thing I mean, that we found, is that the volunteers are like, I'm so thankful for this opportunity that they, they, they're already on social media, they want to do something positive on social media, and now they get to do it for their church. They're really, really excited. And then when you give them Canva that's free, with the free pro tools because you signed up for the nonprofit plan. They're like, wow, this is awesome. And so then all you got to do is feed them the, what you want to be created, have them create it and review it. And you're awesome. It's good. So can't Canva is an online, it's a web online. Point, yep. What do you think is the greatest challenge in maintaining a digitized church? Maybe you touched on it already, but, um, keeping the momentum going, um, for me, <laughs> it's always like something new. <laughs> I want a challenge. I'm like, okay, we got that done. You know, it's time to move on. What else can we do? Um, so I'm always looking for the next thing to improve. Um, but that's also part of my role. But the challenge would be, um, when managing the volunteers, um, and you have a Also, when you're online, you are opening yourself up to anybody. Uh, so if you do a private Facebook group, you can help mitigate that issue by having a membership process that the questions they have to ask, and then you do you uh, kind of look at their profile and look at what kind of posts they make, and you can kind of make a judgment whether or not they're a good fit for the group or not, which helps. Yeah, because I can really see it. I'm just thinking out loud, just the idea of if you have one pastor doing this, you could have your private group. Would you want just one online? What do you think? One online group, or you'd have one online group just for a sermon Q&A and one online group for a prayer requests? You could. We have just one online community that's private, and then everything happens in there. It's kind of like a hub. The other the other struggle we have is people don't people have preconceived notions of Facebook and don't want anything to do with Facebook because of what they've heard or what they've experienced. Yes, okay, that is an issue. Um, you can, um, and I have this where you can change your settings within Facebook, and you can do things so that the only thing you see is your group. Right. Yeah, you it is a challenge, but you can do it. 
you mentioned it in the previous uh, show that we had where the private Facebook group is used because it has the most of the features that you're looking for, but it, it's not perfect, right. but it's the best thing that we've got right now that's out there. Yep. You guys are open to moving to a different platform mm-hmm. should a better platform present itself. Yep. You know, I, I, I just kind of highlighted this as you were talking and, and you were making the comment that one of the greatest challenges of, of having this ongoing is, is you want something new and you like that next challenge yourself. Um, <clears throat> and I wonder, and I was starting to think about this, it has nothing to do with the questions that we pre-asked you, so I'm, I'm throwing you into the wolves. Um, <laughs> the digitized community seems to tend to trend towards always something new, um, innovative, uh, a new this, a new that. Are we... Okay, now, so... And I apologize for the way that this question comes out. Are we preloading our people in by doing this into an adverse atmosphere where the gospel must always be something new and it must be flashy and it must be catchy and it must have a pithy saying or it must have a... You know what I mean? By by this constant, the the utilization of the specific tools that that by their nature maybe aren't bad, but but open up to this idea of always new, always innovative, always flashy, always catchy, always fill in this new thing. That are we pre-programming our people to this idea that the the gospel is is pithy sayings, new, innovative, instead of no, this is this is the gospel and it does not change that's what we want to come combat or be different in that we want not necessarily a new gospel we want a new graphic but not a new gospel and the and the people want well it's my goal to create a place that is the spiritual stability that isn't changing that this is what the bible says this is what we teach this is us encouraging one another and praying for one another. And yeah, we have cool pictures that change or videos, the live videos. I mean, that's always changing because it's live. Um, but I guess, you know, I guess my, my, and, and, and I understand that and that's, and that's wonderful. But, but like you said, I'm looking for the new thing. Um, and so easily we get it into our heads where, where, you know, we have to get the new thing. Well, and you're only three months in, so I don't know if you can answer the question, but, you know, is the new thing, well, we, we've done the live, you know, Pastor Gassani talks about his sermon, uh, and, and well, they broadcast their sermon every Sunday, and, oh, they have a prayer, okay, those be, but those become old, because, you know, you, you run the gamut of, you're only three months in, but you have how many pastors, what, three? No. Four? Five. Five? You might be reading a little bit too much into what he was saying when you were talking about looking for something new. I don't think it was necessarily a a, a tiredness of what. what no, doing. I want a new. I want a better solution. Sure. Yeah, better solution for for uh, what we're trying to do because we're seeing how it's working, and we want to make it better. Um. So that's what I'm looking for. And then we're also take like the live streams. Right now, we live stream our service on Facebook and YouTube. And we have different pages, and I'm looking at it going. During the pandemic, yeah, you just had to get it out there, put it up there, but now the majority of people are going back to in person. And so, while are we splitting up the few people that are online into these different platforms? Should we just merge into one stream so that you have a a community online streaming with the in person people? And then with that online stream, can we make that more engaging than just passively sitting there? How can we get that to be? Because some of our people are are not going to come to our in-person service because they don't live nearby. 50 the, miles away or a little the, bit they're, further. They're Florida and Alabama, wherever. Which is not your target group, but right, it's just right. what you have. What we have. So, well, then that, that, that comes back to the question because the whole point of the online church is to, is to in, kind of bring them into the, the in-person live um, So we want them to develop online relationships 
so they can go to the physical. Right. So if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're, if not saying they are your target audience, but if your audience is 50 miles away or more and aren't going to come ever to the church, are we, are you, is it defeating the purpose of, of the online? Defeating the purpose isn't the right word. Is it, is it working counter to the purpose? Think of it as starting house churches in different locations. But we're not house churches. No, we're not, but we have the ability to to have those happen. But we don't, because, uh, I mean, okay, so for, yes, can people gather and and read the gospel together? Sure, absolutely they can, but the administration of the sacraments, the administration of of the community of church, of, uh, of the congregation, doesn't exist in the house church unless there is a called minister there to perform those things. So, okay, you're you're creating a group that maybe okay, you're in this area, here's another person in this area, you guys can get together, have dinner, um have a prayer. That's great, but you still haven't you you have a community, but you haven't formed the community of 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 the congregation in which we we see throughout the scriptures as as God's intent for us to gather together, receive from his hand his gifts in all those areas. So my, my, I guess my, and I don't know if it's a, maybe more as a, it's a concern that when we start branching out and we do these things and, and this all sounds really good. And I'm, I get excited because on one half, I'm like, we could do this. On the other hand, I'm like, wait a second, I can't do this in my head. I'm saying I can't do this because I can't follow through with it. You know, if if I'm if I'm taking these people in and they're going to become part of my church, and I'm going to use that in air quotes that people can't see, <laughs> if I they become part of my church, I'm I feel called to feed them according to my call as their pastor, which includes the administration of the sacraments. The Facebook group isn't your church members. You have to think of them as your prospects or your friends. Of the congregation, your church member. So, your feeling of taking care of your members and making sure they get the sacraments—that's great, and you want that for your church. But the online group is bigger than that. It includes your members, but it also includes non-members. So you don't. I would say, feed your members, keep spreading gospel with the other people, and. So don't worry about I, them I, so much. Yeah, the the digitized church always has that form of tension, and I think it's a tension we feel even with the YouTube, where we have people watching YouTube, our YouTube sermons, and you're like, who? And you say, I'm going to broadcast our sermon out to the YouTube audience. I know when I was at Redeemer and Peer, and we broadcast YouTube, a lot of times I was thinking of a sermon not in terms of the people that were in front of me, but the people that were watching, and I always had to guard myself and have that self-control of, I'm called to these people right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is auxiliary. And I can right. kind of see that in a digitized church where there still is that there's that temptation to say, how, how many people can I bring under my umbrella? But then at the same time, you have the tension of, I'm only called to people that I can actually be around and, and mm-hmm. give the sacrament to in a very personal way. So there's, there's always going to be a, a tension that comes from the medium itself, but but I think and, that, a, and a temptation that comes from the medium itself. Yeah. But I but I think you know just to, as the as the play the follow through though. I mean you know okay so these people have found you, they're they're watching they're they're engaged in this online community, mm-hmm. but but I, and then it falls on you. I mean I would love to say it should fall on them, but it it, it that we know that that isn't a truism all the time. It, it almost falls on you to say, okay, you live in Florida and we, we love the fact that you're gathering on the gospel, but you need to gather in person and make those connections to, to, to a, a church within our fellowship now who is going to preach and teach what we are sharing with you. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that or don't you do that? And, and I, don't, I, I guess that's the, because I mean, that's it almost seems... Scope. Yeah, I mean, they do have, you said mentioned that last time, where they do have that invitation to come to worship and come right. to receive the sacrament. So there is still that emphasis of we're here for these people. Right. And they and, know that we are a ministry for St. Peter the Core in the Appleton area. And the people that come in that are know that. I mean, the people from across Wisconsin where they've said, I know this is for your church. And I'm Wells, and I I just grow by this, so I I just want to participate too. Sure, you can, you know. 
That's fine. It's right, but, but that's it, our scope. They get that's back to the scope. The challenge thing is to keep your scope and focus on your scope of who you're ministering to and what you're doing meets this. If other people join in, that's great, but this is your focus. So in other words, so your 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 actual focus for the online ministry is for the the people who are going to be in the area who can attend your church and and it just so happens as it it, it grew to expand to these other people which then we say, well, I, I don't really necessarily feel responsible for connecting them to a local church in their area because that's not our yeah, I mean, if they ask, we'll we'll refer them. But, right, of course. But, but that yeah. that's not something where where you take it up upon yourself to say. See that that's where I would feel really really guilty because if I know someone is on, you know, watching, and I even do that with our own Facebook account, where where if I I find you know some people I watch you every Sunday. You have a church right next door that you go to. You're a member of. Go there. <laughs> but pastor, we really like you. I'm very flattered. Go to your pastor. <laughs> I mean, I just, I feel very guilty about that. Not, not, not that I'm opposed to them watching, but I, I mean, you, you know, you need to go to your congregation and receive uh, what God is giving to you there. Um, and, and I guess that's, that would be something that I would have to get over in working in a paradigm like that. Mm-hmm. It's okay to pe- for people to worship in one place and watch another one. Yeah, we'd do that at Emmanuel because uh, we don't have the internet capacity for online services. So when we had COVID and everyone could not come to worship, that's what we encouraged our members to watch St. John and Maribel and Morrison and Zion um, and because we recognize that we're, we're in the same fellowship and that we have the same message to share. So uh, now you record your services? I, we do a podcast, so I record audio mm-hmm. of the services because we, that's what we can do. Uh, our, sure. And uh, we do that, and then we, we put that online every uh, every Sunday afternoon that that goes on. So it was just for myself, I'm like, okay, how can I be using that more intentional than just putting out content, recognizing that we're working in a medium which is inviting us, it's tempting us, it's just... Uh, this whirlpool that's sucking us down to just being content providers and, and having our people be content consumers rather than mm-hmm. what you're trying to do at the, at the core at the nine two two ministries, which is uh, be a light in that whirlpool and just say, wait a minute, this could, this could be a medium where people are actually engaging with one another and people are actually praying for one another, which is uh, to be honest, you know, having God's people pray with one another and for one another is something that we're not inclined to do naturally. So that's something that has to be intentional as well. Well, and, that, and that's where I, and I have to say, I like, I, I'm not, I, and I, I'm not saying I don't like the concepts. I guess I struggle with the, and maybe they're my own insecurities as well, I, but I, I struggle with the implementation of that and how, I, 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 okay, so let me just backtrack and just say, you know, I think as a pastor, you, you, in in the ministry, you, anytime you are sharing the gospel, you start taking a personal responsibility for. Not saying I'm I'm personally responsible for how it will work, but I'm a per, I'm now taking personal responsibility that I'm going to watch over these people that I'm sharing with, and I and I, that's a that to me is a really hard thing to get beyond in a digitized world, where where I have to start to step back and say no, I'm just going to throw it out there, and then I'm going to forget about it, for lack of a better word. Um, and not worry about what the follow through is going to be on their end if they're in Florida or if they're in Texas or if they're in whatever, um, and just do what I'm going, what I can do. Uh, to me, that seems very. That's it, a hard thing for for I guess my own mind to get get through. So that's that's where I came up with that. I thought. I can relate to that because I think my pastors struggle during the live prayer time. The few people that are there live, and they feel. Like they want to minister to the whole group, but only 10 of them show up. But yet you see in the comments afterwards of people who watched it later who thanked pastor for their prayers, and that was exactly what they needed today. And so then while you can't see that happen, it did happen in, in, a, in a delayed sense. So I have a question. I don't know if, as I was driving here today, I was wondering just like churches have multiple service times, sometimes if they get big enough, 
and their space doesn't allow for everybody to, to fit. What if a smaller church or any church, doesn't have to be small, um, recorded the live service during the normal service time, then uploaded that video, and then had a virtual church service that's just playing that recording, but the pastor's in the chat live during that service. Welcome, just like you would a regular service, you welcome the people as they come in the physical building. You welcome the people before, then during the pre-service music, and you chat with them. Um, you could even stop the video recording during the prayer time and say, hey, anybody here have any prayer requests? And you could then prayer chat and then continue the service. At the end of the service, you could say, hey, I'm here to chat. If you guys have questions about what you heard today or if you just want to visit. So the mechanics of that would be is that you would not broadcast your service live, but instead record it and then broadcast it live at a time when the pastor is available online. Right. Then you'd have to watch yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And we know how pastors love to do that. That's why they make us do that in seminary. You have to watch yourself preach, and you're like, oh, please don't make me do that again. Yeah, that is an interesting idea of having one service live that would be in person and then one service that would be solely online where the pastor is participating in the chat as the service is going on. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, and and then, not again, not a bad not a bad thought but i wonder in in the um and how that would play out if that would be more distracting than okay so (laughs) i would that be more distracting in the sense of okay when we're yeah it's engaging because it's already a passive thing because they're watching it so it's engaging in the sense of why are we singing this hymn well i thought about this hymn because of the such and such a words or such and such a stanza really fit in with the, well, okay, by the time you've answered that, they're done with a hymn. Or they've or you're gone. interrupting them singing, so they're not actually praising God while they're singing. Right, the so I'm wondering if this becomes, or you're encouraging them to, <clears throat> to, to be more consumer-related in the idea of, of what they are. Uh, you go from passive to more of the consumption of, um, I'm going to start questioning why each of these steps, or I'm going to have a conversation in here about, about, oh, I was just thinking, why do we as a church do this? Um, not necessarily the time to have that, you know. Um, and, and instead and then, of... You would just say, let's talk about that after service. After the service. But there's a platform called Alter Live that I'm really interested in investigating because for, like, during the Lord's Prayer, during the hymns, you could actually sing along with them and hear each other. You could hear and sing with your virtual audience. Hmm. I wonder how that, well, you'd have to research that because I don't how would that work? I mean, the, the technology is already there and it's working, but it would just be, how would, how would people feel, you know, right. hearing not only the recorded service playing, but also then their fellow, well, on Alter Live, basically, you have, like, pews, rows. And you can talk with anybody in your row, just as if you were in person. You could do the same thing in person. But here, but then you could be hearing, you know, we could say the Lord's Prayer, and you'd hear the other voices. So is that like, um, I guess I would have to look it up, but if is that sort of like, like almost like an open broadcast where you broadcast through Ultra Live and then it broadcasts to whatever Facebook or No, it does the other way around. You have to give it the video feed from YouTube and then so the people go to all your Ultra Live account. So oh, so you'd already have, so this would have been like okay the, the service was already posted on YouTube do you then import it from like privately so it wasn't pro- right, right. and then you bring in that that individual feed Right. And then it starts to play, and you're just, it's sort of like a movie theater event. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But it's virtual. Yep. Um, the, uh, one of the things I've noticed, like, uh, especially like uh, with the 
Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary having a call day service. You know, you'd have people chatting on the side, which I think that's a nice thing for community-wise. But then when they're chatting, and this is where you, it would be something for people to get over because you're going to have people chatting, and it might be on delay, and you're like, no, he's praying right now. Why are you chatting while he's <laughs> praying? Like, why are you talking about where you're from? And why do I see hearts floating up yeah. on the screen? Because you're... <laughs> Right, so yeah. it's, it, there's some it's growing pains to go go through. I wanted to know what kind of speed should churches expect for upload and download to be able to make uh, your online church work? How does or the Q and A for pastors or um, the live with pastor? How does that you know have any idea what kind of speed we need to have? Um, fast. Yeah, you don't have to be super fast, uh, but I, I would look at. Um, Facebook's help files on okay. what speeds they recommend for the live thing. I mean, we also do pastor office hour, which is not video. It's only chat. So you can always do that too. And that's where just pastors like, Hey, I'm on for the next hour. If you have any questions, put them here in the chat. So was that is that like in a Facebook event? It um, could be. We don't do that. We do... Uh, Facebook has the Q&A function, and we just do that. Or or it's just a, a, a post with a picture of pastor saying, here, I'm, I'm here. Okay. And put your comments below. All right, so a lot of this, so so getting into the, you know, we wanted to do this because it's the nitty-gritty of, of, of kind of what we're putting it all together and how this is all working out. It seems that you've had... Um, some considerable growth in the three months that that you've been doing this. So, you, mm-hmm. so what you're doing seems to resonate with people as as this is um, um, something that that is working. So, I guess here's my my the twenty million dollar question. You're three months in. Um, is there is there something that that you can foresee is going to be okay? Um, this is going to stay because this this needs to stay, or is it all still in in this relative flux where oh, we're just going to throw things against the wall and see if they stick, and if they don't stick, then it goes away. Um, so I mean, in, in this framework of as you put it all together, and that we are looking okay, the live posts, and we have this live this live Q and A, and this thing is this all just kind of we're seeing as long as it goes and it's popular, we'll do it. Or is there something that you say, no, this element has to stay regardless because this is the the backbone of, of what we do. Well, we just told pastor Tim, he had to stay. (laughs) 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 He had a call to go somewhere else. (laughs) So yeah, the pastors have to stay. (laughs) No, uh, yeah, I think, well, our focus when we made it was um, deepen what happened on Sunday. So those things are going to stay. The sermon uh, Q&As are going to stay. Pastor Live thing is going to stay. Um, the, just the whole concept of being online is going to stay. How we're online may vary. I mean, they may switch to a pre-recorded video, but online isn't going away. As we saw from the, like the pandemic brought it to the top because you had to be online. But now that people are starting to go back in person, we're still there and people are still there. And our, our group is still growing. So it's not going away. It's a way of life. And I think the pandemic helped the churches jump into it and to bring and to think about it and to start trying things. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not going to go away. People are living there online. And that's what bothers me <laughs> a little bit. And, and, and it's not just in this area, but I'm, I'm wonder how much of that living online is, is healthy and well and good. Um, even though we might be giving good content, how much of, of this, how much of this, it, and and I, I I this is my own insecurities, and I'll admit it. I know where my pitfalls are, um, but I have I have a lot of insecurity in in offering more and more ways for people to disconnect, and and I I value very much what you're trying to do to bring connection, 
but but I almost I, I I hear that and I smile and say, oh, that's really smart. And then I come back and I say, but you're still you're still living in a digital world. <laughs> and and, you know, and I'm thinking, what is it? The Madonna song <laughs> or whatever. Uh, material. Girl. That's a material girl. But you almost could. I still think about the song. Um, but it's just that you're living in a, and maybe it was Weird Al <laughs> digital world. Um, well, and, I just look um, at my kids and the digital world isn't going away. Their friends are online. They're, my daughter has friends who she's never met in person. Um, but I, but. I, and I, and my, my kids are like that too. And, 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 and interestingly enough, you know, my, my two girls are younger and there's a digital presence that they have, but they, but you know they they have foregone the digital for the in person. They would rather see their friends, talk with their friends, interact with their friends in an in person oh, sure. element. My son has, um, and it scares my wife and I, um, because he has fully engaged this digital concept and and has lost a lot of interpersonal abilities to to converse and to talk and to share. And, and to, to make those connections where when he's behind a screen, you know, he's he's able to to laugh, play and do whatever. And, and he's himself. Um, it's so I, I wonder if we are we are playing into the problem by saying I'm going to make myself so available that we can we're we're going to give you this option. I think the virtual problem is real. Right. And I think we as Christians need to be there to, to be the salt because um, we have, our pastors have always talked about the Facebook you and the real you and how there's, you know, you behave differently online, but we want to break that. We want to be real online. Right. But, but you're still online. Yeah. And, but you, and, and that we can't control that. Like right. it's not, it's not like it's here. It's a, it's like a reality. It's here. It's not going away. I often uh, thought about, uh, I have a bar a block and a half away from my church, and I always thought about going to that bar, and it was always something that always held me back, like, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to go into that place in order to see people in, in the area. And I think if that, but I'm you know, thinking about you know, doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think for myself it's a it's a temptation to say if i do have a digitized world you get fascinated by that you think that this is going to be an awesome thing but if you had a worldview of i really don't want to be here i want them to be in person that will shape kind of like what you were mm. saying before when you're setting up your internet present what is your scope what are you trying to do here if you would start saying i don't really want to be here instead of the fascination of the technology mm. and the fascination yeah. of Hey, I can reach people and where they're at, and and be the right. salt that they need to be. If we have a worldview as pastors and say, I don't really want to be here. I want to be in you to be in person. I want to have a face to face conversation. That will shape how we have our digitized presence. But you won't get as many likes because they'll tell. Guess what? Pastor really doesn't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then you shouldn't do it. Right. But it. I guess that, that's the, but that's I want the double-edged to, sword. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I just think of my own mindset where I know that I would love to be able to be doing more stuff online, but I also know that it's be, it's not necessarily that I want to bring Jesus to people, but because I want the attention or the likes or the, the hearts uh, floating <laughs> up. Um, so as a pastor, you have to ki- uh, have that kill that sinful nature inside of you that craves attention and mm-hmm. say, how can I bring Jesus to people with the intention of, I want to bring Jesus to people in a personal way through the sacrament. Yeah. And, and you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm and just resonating off of that. You know, I, you post, I posted, uh, and this is some time ago, we had one of our services was posted on, on YouTube and I, I shut off all comments. I don't, I don't like comments on, on what we do for service. Um, but you know, I, I was just, getting information to give to our, our secretary who was putting together the bulletin stuff. And I was going to see how many views were on it. And I went and someone gave me a thumbs down for the service. And, and instantly you start thinking, well, what did I say in there? That would have been a thumbs down. And then, I mean, I, I think I knew what I said and I was proud of it. So I didn't care, but, but it's really hard not to, to think about, well, should I change something I've done so that I get, better likes which becomes this we always tension. have almost every live stream we've done 
has an angry face. At least one angry face. And those are badges of honor. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it's not going to, I mean, you're right. It's there. Right. But we, we have to put it in perspective that it's, you know, a very small amount of people and you're not, don't worry about them. <laughs> right. Well, it comes into the fact that, and, and we, and every pastor tells himself, even in, in live worship, you know, you're not going to please everyone. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you can't please anyone all the time. Um, and so, yes, there's, there's, there's going to be a time when people are not going to be very either impacted by what you say, or they're not going to like what you have to say, or you didn't bring your a game and that's just the way that it is. And, and I think in person, we, we, in person, it's easier because most people aren't that cruel Mm -hmm. to say those things Mm -hmm. to your face, (laughs) but online they are. Because there's the end, uh, it's sort of that ambiguity that comes with, I can write whatever I want, and and you don't have to. I don't have to look at you and see your reaction, um, and then feel guilty about that. Um, and that's just a hard world to live in. It really yeah. is just a hard world to live in. It is, yes. But that's also, I think, a place where the light needs to be shining. I don't discredit that, and I give you guys a just the greatest amount of respect that you're willing to even discuss and talk and try. Um, because as we've said, said here, you know, we would probably be the only people to do it. And you can tell we are kind of hesitant <laughs> to, to maybe sure. jump into something like that um, to that extreme. So I give right. you guys, I mean, granted you're bigger, you have a little bit more uh, going for you in that way, but to, to be able to work into that conversation and say, um, we're not exactly sure how it's going to work, where it's going to work, what we're really doing, but we have a focus. We're going to stick to the focus and, um, ho- you know, pray to the good Lord that something good comes out of it. And, and, and there's something to that. And I give you guys a lot of credit for it. I guess I like that St. Peter and the court did that in the beginning where they said, the leadership said, try it for this amount of time. Like we had until the end of June and, in June, we'll reevaluate to see whether or not we're going to keep going. So that was, that's really, I really appreciated that direction from the leadership to try it and then see and evaluate. And we're constantly doing that. I know, uh, you know, Will, you said that you sensed a bit of hesitancy on my part. I, I do have a little bit of a hesitancy, but I really am very thankful that you came on this show for two podcasts to talk to us because it helps me it was a mirror for what I'm doing in, in my congregations and in getting me to think, uh, am, am I, I think I'm being intentional. I mm-hmm. think I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good thing here, but am I just feeding a wolf of, of this passive, just receiving content? That's what it means to be a member of St. Paul, or that's what it means to be a member of Emmanuel. And it, it's given me a lot to think about and a lot for me to think about implementing as far as trying to engage people in doing what God has called them to do, which is to, to be in the word and also to pray for one another and, and to work together together. Well, and, and what I, and, and actually, and uh, Dave and I have talked about this as well after our first conversation here, you know, <clears throat> building off of what you're doing, because you're doing kind of a, you have that two ministries, right? Two, two area, two campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know we had discussed, we said, what would it look like you know, doing something like this for the rural campus where it's not, we're not connected as churches to say we're connected in fellowship, but we're not connected like, okay, we have the same ruling body for each of the churches, but the, 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 we're, we're so far flung in the rural community that then what would it look like to funnel people, have the, all the pastors in the rural churches coming together to, to funnel information into this portal and then we're funneling people and making connections to the, the 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 congregations and directing people you're in this area look at that church here you know this is pastor and so and so you've heard him you've talked with him he would love to see you um or you're in this area here you know you could you could be funneled towards Emmanuel you could be funneled towards Gibson you could be funneled towards St. Peter's um where where we start using that portal as as a as kind of a, a way to say hey you know these these congregations 
um, in, in these communities are here and ready for you. Um, and and this is this conversation has really gotten me thinking about how could we use a system like that mm-hmm. to to really say here are the here are the rural churches for you right Christ for you here are the members or here are the here are the pastors get to know them um, funnel towards them and and then say you know you know I'm so and so and I come from here and you know I'm really in the neat here's pastor so and so you know. Um, you've heard him on this, you've heard him on this and, and he's ready to go. I, to me that I've thought about that after these conversations. Yeah. I would create a name and a page and a group for your private group. Yeah. For your area and, and all the pastors rotate and yeah, that, that could be cool. And you could have a a live pastor sit down where all the pastors are there and we do a Q and A of all of them, you know, you're good. Yeah, I know that's hard to coordinate. <laughs> it is for us and all well, sure. and all of our pastors are in one church, but <clears throat> yeah, you could. Or you could just do it virtually too. Yeah, all kinds of possibilities. No, I, I like it. So um, I, I guess for me, you know, as we, we kind of wrap up here, I thank you, John, for, for bringing all this information to us. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Uh, welcome to come back, talk about any topic that you have that rolls around in your, your mind. So uh, we'd love to have you back talking about podcasts, talking about uh, books. Um, and uh, uh, other than that, blessings on your ministry. Thank you. And uh, for all those who are interested, take a look at 922 Ministries. And, um, and, and also encourage your pastors to maybe find ways to reach out and share the gospel. And so until next week, when we have an opportunity to gather and share our faith and walk with Christ, we wish you the best. <laughs>